Now please describe to me the Shibud in Mitzrayim. What did it look like? We all saw the movies about, um, what is it called, uh, Roots and uh, all, all the other, right? The movies about uh, slavery uh, in America, of the Africans. So I think we imagine it very much like that with with people just whipping, beating, ruthlessly attacking, you know, chopping off limbs because he's in a bad mood, etc. Right? Let's try to understand a little bit of what actually the sheep would look like. We'll understand how much more scary it really was. Just to give one example, says one of many examples says in Perik base Vayhiba Yamim Perikuda base Pasukudal Vayhiba Yamim Haim Vayigdal Moshe Vayetze Elachav Vayar Besivlosam Vayar Ish Mitzri Make Ish Ivri Meachav saw an Egyptian hitting a Jew from from Moshe's brothers. Says Rashi. Nogishaya, he was a um, overlord. Mimuna al Shotre Israel that was uh, appointed over the um, guards the guards, the, the Jewish guards that were in charge of the Jewish workers. And he would uh, get them all up um, in the early breaking hours of the morning, still when the rooster would call out, which is uh, still still dark outside, to go to their work. Maka Ishivri, he was hearing the Jewish man. Malkehu Rodehu, he was hearing him and he was persecuting him. Vibala Shel Shulamis Bas this was the husband of a Famous lady later on, we'll find out much more about her. Shulamis Bas Dibri. This Egyptian, he put his eye on her, and at night he called him out, called out the husband for work duty. And then he left him out there. He came into the house, pretended to be the husband got into the bed of the Jewish woman. She thought he was her husband. Continues Rashi, the Chazer Ha'ish the Beso, the man came back to his house, the Hirgish Bedover, and he felt he was suspicious of something. The Jew. After. Kishirao saw Mitzri, Shehirgish Bedover, when the Egyptian understood that the Jew was suspicious, Hayamakehu, he was hitting him, intimidating him the whole day. Okay. So the Maral, the Gurari over here, works on this Rashi. 
first of all, where did Hazal get this entire complicated story from? Um, it's, it's very worth doing, but the short end of it is, I understood that he's, there's, there's a hitting in an ongoing fashion, not uh, in, in, in some sort of a hitting and intimidating in, a, in an ongoing fashion the entire day. So this is the story that they see. Now let me ask you a question. Why is this Egyptian intimidating him and hitting him? What is he, what is he trying to accomplish? And he, he, already, he was already with his wife. Uh, oh, the Egyptian, this, this man, he's in charge of all the Jewish, he's on top of the Jewish guards who are on top of the Jewish workers. I mean, he's like pretty high up, right? He sets his eye on this woman. So you would think, right, like uh, in a regular slave situation, you would think that he will just say, bring this woman to me at you know, broad daylight to my house, right? He has to sneak, he has to pretend, he has to go in the disguise of the night, and then when the Jewish man gets suspicious over what happened, right, this Egyptian is intimidating him and hitting him and trying to cover up. What's going on over here? of other very interesting Maimar Chazal. It says that eventually, later on, Perak Base, towards the end of Perak Base, it says, after many days of this um, terrible slavery, this terrible Paro died. The one that tried to kill all the Jewish children, right? the one that used to bathe in blood of Jewish children, Vayanehu Bnei Israel Minhavoda, and the Jewish people and the Jewish people moaned, cried out from the from the slavery so it's, it's very strange when this, you would think right, this terrible despot the one that's been doing all this he, he finally dies, they should open up a little bottle of smuggled you know, beer that they somehow managed to get, right, and, and celebrate. And instead they're they're groaning, they're calling out. Says the Vilna Gon on awesome Hiddish. Let's first build it up a little bit more before we, we reveal the card. Vilna Gon, he could just say it, but you know, for us we need to we need to build it up a little bit. The Gon says also when the when the the pasuk by us in the first parak says that Melech Mitzrayim Paro says to the Miyaldos When you are receiving birth, this is in Perak Aleph, Pasuk Tazayim. When you are receiving birth of, from the Jewish ladies, and you will see on the birth stool, if it is a boy, then you should kill him. And if it's a girl, let her live. And then what happens? They don't do it. He calls them out. He says, what happened? I thought I asked you. So they say they give birth too quickly. 
they're, 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 uh, they're very fast. By the time we get there, you've already been born. Two obvious questions on that. Why not kill them at that point? Yeah. So what's the problem? Second of all, listen to the way the Torah says it. Vayikra Melech Mitzrayim, Lemiyaldus, when he realized what, what they were doing, he said, called to them. He said to them, Madua Asisim Hadavarza, why did you do this? And you let them live. Why did you do this? And the answer is, I mean, he knows that they're, he, 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 he can tell that they're in cahoots over here. Why doesn't he do something about it? Why isn't he, you know, just off with your heads. On the spot, right? Press the button to the trap door, right? And they just fall down to the crocodile pit. Worse, the Gemara in Sota, Hazal, ask a question. When Paro is giving them these instructions, he adds a few interesting words. And this obviously will trust your question, but it will make only the question worse. He said to the midwives, when you will see the women, when you will see the child right, coming out on the birth stool, which means that they would give birth sitting up, not lying down, like everyone knows that lying down for a woman giving delivering is strictly for the convenience of the doctors and counterproductive to the delivery process and the what is productive is for the, the woman should be sitting up, which is why in hospitals many babies are born when the mother finally goes to the toilet and that's what helps the delivery. Sort of sitting on a chair. There's, um, just Derek Agav, anyone's going to be going to a hospital, try to force the doctor as much as possible to sit up. Why is something the doctors themselves know, but they prefer it the other way because they don't have to bend down. I'm just telling what I know from that side of the story. Something that we've heard from medical school? Or yeah, so I'm saying I was there. I, I'm saying I know it. The doctors also know it, but. They, they don't like to do it. Okay. So there was a birth stool. Yeah. So he gives them advice. He says, when you look and you see it coming out on the birth stool, if it's a boy kill. Said, Why so be so specific? I mean, the pasuk he's he's going on. A, when you see the baby coming out on the birth stool, what do you want from that? Just tell me if it's a if it's a boy kill. Finished. Says the Gemara in Sota. He gave them a simon. He gave them a sign. If it comes out and it's facing up, then it's a girl. If it's facing down, then it's a boy. Like facing down on the Which way he's facing? You know, if, if, it's, if, it, if it's face up, it's a boy. If it's face down, it's a girl. No, the other way the other around. around. Yeah. Boy is face down, girl is face up. Why do we need a simon to? Boys are up here, they look down. Girls are down here, they look up. Okay. Shemayim yeah. v'aretz. Why do we need? A, why do they need the simon? Just again, right? Same question. Wait until he comes out. Take a look at the most clear right, simon you could possibly have and take action at that point. Another absolutely mind-boggling Gemara there in the same spot in Sota. It says, when it says that they, that they, refu they refused, they didn't do it, they didn't listen to him. They were afraid of God. They did not do like 
spoke upon them, the king of Egypt. Upon them. Alehen. Anyone want to make a duke over here? Shibilehen says the Gemara. You learned the Gemara before. No. But, I mean, about 26, 28 years ago you did. No? How old are you? 29. 29. Okay. 29 years. Um, yeah. Shibilehen says the Gemara. Mi boy lay. Amar Rabbi Yossi Barchanina says Rabbi Yossi Barchanina Melamed Shetivaan Ledover Avera Velonetvo. He was seducing them. Paro tried to seduce them into a physical relationship. The midwives. Yes, Yocheved and Shifra, and they did not. And they were not seduced. Now, number one, right, just as a side point, those that like to envision Paro as he's sometimes drawn in children's book as a probably very fat and repulsive man who looks like he has an IQ of about 32, right? Um, Paro spoke 70 languages. Paro was the king over the whole world, right? Paro was the king of Egypt, which was a particularly hedonistic and physical society, it is very likely that Paro was actually a very nice-looking man and um, very intelligent, etc., etc. Okay, fine. But the question is, what, what does he need to seduce them for? Right? Again, he has the trap door button with the alligator pit on the, on the bottom. Says the morale, first of all, that, uh, and also, yeah, what's seducing going to help with, with the plan? Right? So that the morale says that when a man has been with a woman, she is now extremely much more likely to do what he wants. Meaning she has become a clickable, a, a recipient for him. She's now... Uh, She's now his messenger. She's now his. She, she'll be his henchman. Yeah? But the question still stands why not just tell them in a very direct way? Says the Vilna Gom. Let's come back to our original question. Why are Klausel crying out when Paro dies? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to discard, how, I'm not sure how that explanation of the Simonim is a. Method of seducing? Wait, no, 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 it's not. Two completely different, two different chazals from two different uh, words in, in two different psukim. One, when he was, uh, when he oh. was giving them their assignment, he says, when you will see them on the birth stool, right. that was the them. The other one is when they refused to, because they were afraid of Hashem, of Elohim, right, they did not do that which Paro spoke unto them, from their chazal learn out that he was trying to seduce them. Okay, is that enough painful question so far? Okay, so says the says the Vilna Gom, you know why Klausel are crying out when Paro dies? I'll read you the language. Which Paro? First one. The one who did all these terrible things. Did he go and did, doesn't the mentor say that he goes and founds or becomes the leader of Nineveh? So it's a machlekes if. Uh, so Machlaikis, so Machlaikis, how to understand the Machlaikis about whether he did die or, or he didn't die. Maybe it was a different part later on. It doesn't make a difference, but this one was certainly very bad, right? And whatever, and it does appear that he died. Um, and there was a different part later on. The question is the Machlaikis, Rav and Shmuel, is was that other Paro a son of this Paro or is he a different king altogether? That's basically the Machlaikis, according to the Maral. And it sounds like the Vilna Gon understands like that also. So says the Vilna Gon the Yeshloimar. Ki ein midarke hamalchus. It is not from the ways of the king, of the kingdom, of, of, of a king. Hagam shiyeh melech achzar gadol. Even if he is a terrible king, he's a monster. 
מאוד. בכל זאת, אין בידו וברשותו לוצץ מחוק המשפט. Even with all that, he cannot violate openly the law. No king can. ולעשות אבלה מפורסמת בגלוי and to do something terrible in a public and open way. מפני החשש שלא תעלה מרידה מאנשי מדינוסו, because he's always afraid that if people see him as being a cannibal who just you know, devours people at will, that people will rebel. His own subjects. But awesome, ki asa avla bechinam, because if they see that he does terrible atrocities for naught, Well, it's filling a little bit. They're going to think, okay, so you know, tomorrow he's going to come and kill my family. Like, this man is completely insane. This man is completely un, you know, uncontrolled. A melech has to be ruled with mishpat. Right? And we know, right? no matter how evil the Tsar of Russia was, right? they always had some sort of a legal... pretense, uh, a justification of some sort, yeah, some, uh, some way that they could claim that, yeah, we're just, we're just recruiting, you know, we, we need soldiers for the army, so we're going to recruit, you know, everyone needs to deliver X amount, we'll, we, because the Jews don't participate as much, so, you know, we'll put an extra, you know, the Jews are a burden on us another way, so we'll put an extra quota on them or something, and it had to somehow make sense that that it should be passed as a law. Therefore, the king needs to be noheg b'mishpat, like the Pesach says, melech b'mishpat yamad aretz. That's the whole, the whole job of the melech is to establish law. That's what he does. Yeah, so he he can't violate the law himself openly. And now with that, says the Gon, now we understand everything. Paro couldn't just make a decree, kill all the Jewish boys. Couldn't do it. So what is he doing? He's trying to seduce the midwives into becoming his accomplices in a secretive way. He gives them a sign to tell which child, which one's going to be a boy or girl before it comes out, so they can quickly, you know, whatever it is, twist this child's neck, and they'll be born. It'll, oh, it's still born. Terribly sorry for the for this tragedy. And that's why even the the um, the people that that were in charge of the work camps, right? He couldn't just go and take this woman. He had to sneak in. He had to... He was, he was scared. He was intimidating him. Once Paro died, it became much more of a... Uh, without a king... So there's, there's much more of a free reign. And we know that it says, if not for the mission Perkyala says, we should be always grateful to the Melech, because if not for the Melech, the um, man would swallow up his, his friend. Right? Meaning the morale in... This is, uh, the morale in Or Chodesh says, why is it specifically that it took a Haman, took Haman, a commoner, to try to destroy an entire nation? It's because a king can never do that. A king, at the end of the day, understands that he is in charge of this entire nation. And he can be very tough, he can be maybe even cruel, whatever it is, but basically the same thing as this, as this grow. Right, he's not gonna. He 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 
he, 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 we've never seen a king do something like that, where a king literally tries to wipe out an entire nation from his kingdom. Hitler. Hitler wasn't a king, he was a commoner. That's exactly what we're getting to. He was a total commoner. With no and even then, they still had to dehumanize Jews before him too. What difference yeah, that, that's the I don't understand. What difference does it make? He became, he became the king of Germany. He didn't become the king. He was a dictator. That's obviously somebody was ruling Egypt afterwards, after Paradise. Right. But someone who's of royal blood, he believes himself to be of you know divinely ordained, divinely positioned to be the shepherd over the people in one way or another, the moment all kingship derives from a divine manifesto. In one way or another, this man was selected by God to be the representative down here. Otherwise, it should be hereditary. In fact, not only should it be hereditary, it shouldn't even be for the life of the king himself. You're the leader right now, okay, and then tomorrow if we manage to you know, overthrow you and kill you, so then we'll do that. Right? I mean, that's a dictator. A dictator is a commoner who took power. He can do anything. So we look between... So he worked for Shalim. What? Emotional. Uh, because of the fact that they had this pretense of being divinely ordained. And therefore, they had to follow the law. Mm -hmm. And Paro was under that. Paro was one. Paro was that. It gives us a brand new look at the entire Shibud of Mitzrayim. There was law. There was order. Take a look at something else. Somebody, sorry, it's much scarier. It's much, it's much more mature appreciation of the Shibu. That's right. That's right. You couldn't point to something as evil. We, we are currently working on taking ourselves out of the comic book right, um, picture of the Shibu Mitzrayim. Right? Everyone buys for their children these uh, these uh, picture books of Shibu Mitzrayim. And, uh, Sadly, that's a source for many of our own understandings of of Shiva Mitzrayim. Let's take a look at something even scarier. Explain why that's scarier. Scarier than it's scary because it's done under the because it seems to be done under the pretense of law and order. You can't you can't point to oh this person's evil because he's got this decree against us. It's all his, the whole evil is masked by this this facade of legality. But at the same time, so you can't more, do whatever he wants to be. Right. No. No. For sure, it was definitely mitzad that it was better. It definitely. Well, you know, if you're in a situation where people can just kill you at will, right? Like the the, the Nazis, may Hashem avenge their actions. Um, the, the, being in their camps, right? That, that's that's. That's like, that's a lot scarier in a very concrete and physical, direct way. Let's hold off on drawing our conclusions until this next discussion we have, and then, and then maybe we'll share why, why uh, th this new vision is scarier to me. Okay. The Gemara in Sota darshans the Pasuk. Pasuk to afflict us with their burdens. Again, Laman Anoso, Klauso are being referred to as singular currently, as a single nation, right? So far that's been the thread. Laman Lanos. Laman la no so him to afflict him, be sivlo sum with their burdens. The tribe's burden. They put their burden on us. 
Okay, I mean, obviously a slave always does his master's work, right? That's the point, that's why people have slaves. So, I'm not sure why the Pesach has to stress that one. Okay, Vayiven are miskanos. And he, meaning the Jewish people as a single, built cities, miskanos. Rashi says it means storage houses. Lefaro. As Piton Ves Ramses. Seemingly two names of two cities. Says the Gemara in Sota. Are miskanos. Shemeskinos es ba'alehem. They endanger the people that work, that work in them. They're dangerous cities. Okay. Okay, it's a little bit, let's make it simple. Why is it called, why are they called these cities? Pitom and Ramses, says the Gemara. Pitom, that the Pita home would open up its mouth and swallow up whatever was built. The mouth of the abyss would open up and swallow up, meaning that you would build houses and they would just sink into the ground. And Ramses, they would be misroses. They would literally rot as you were working with these materials. They would you'd be building it and it would be crumbling under your, in your hands. You would be building it and it would be falling apart. Now, so that's where Chazal coming from. The names of, the, of these cities seemingly very, very strange names. But who cares? What is the Apostle coming to tell us? I mean, that, that's what happened. And what? Therefore, what? How would you feel? What? Awful. Awful. Why? Everything I'm doing is for nothing. Right? I mean, it's one thing, you're making me work. Right? But at least, look at what I did. I built this nice, beautiful building, right? <laughs> I know. I have an uncle in Israel who's uh, not yet come back to the ways of the Torah. He builds roads. And wherever we would go, you say, oh, you see this whole intersection over here? This we built this. You see, you see that this off ramp? We built that. He's very. He, he, you can tell that he literally he gets hanol. Which, by the way, nowadays, right? Because it's rare that you do that. Usually, people are one tiny little widget in a giant machine that, like, you don't even really know what you built, right? You built some aspect of some program that will be used for some other programs that will be used to make many different things that will, are components of different things, right? So there's like nothing that you can point to to have any pride in, in your work. But that's, that's, that's a related but a slightly different point. Okay. So there was, it was terribly frustrating, right? They're working, they're working, and it's falling apart, it's sinking, to the ground, I mean, you're building cities basically in a, like a swamp, right? Area or quicksand, whatever it may be. Okay. <coughs> On the other hand, let's fast forward. Perik Hay, Pasak Hay. What this Pasek Perik Hay is Moshe and Aaron coming to Paro and saying, Let the people go for a three day holiday in the desert 
to celebrate God. Let's take a running start, possibly Dalit. Vayomer Aleihem Melech Mitzrayim. Paro said to them, Lama Moshe Aaron Tifra'u Es Ha'am Mimasav. Why are you disturbing the people from their burdens? Go to your go to your own tasks. Vayomer Paro said Paro, Hain Rabim Ata. This they are very numerous, the Jewish people now. Am Haaretz, the people of the land. The Hishbatem. Osam, misiv losam, and you're going to cause them to stop from their work? There's so many of them, and you're going to take away three days worth of productivity? What productivity? They're working for Paro. Says Rashi. Shehavoda mutelas aleihem. The whole the job depends on them. Vatem mashvisi mosam misivlosam, and you're stopping them from their work. Hefsod godol huze. You're gonna bankrupt me. You know what you're gonna do to the Egyptian economy. Hefsod godol huze. What are they, they're just torturing these poor people, right? They're whipping them, they're beating them, they're chopping their arms off, they're throwing their children into the cement, right? The cement of cities that are never really being built, the city, the houses are sinking into the ground, the, all, all the materials that they're giving them are literally rotting up and falling apart. What's the Hafsid Gadol? If I, let's just take a step back. So, step number one. We have an open stira between this Rashi and the Gemoran Soto over there by, by Aramiskus. Now, the good news for us is that Rashi doesn't bring that Gemoran Soto, right? Many of the Gemoran and Soto Rashi does bring on the Psukim. That one he doesn't, right? When, when it says that this is Pitom and Ramses, Rashi is quiet, Rashi is happy, Rashi is okay. Toshib shat, no issues. Right? Over here, Rashi tells us there will be a Hafsid Gadol. So Rashi is consistent. Right? But how do you reconcile the Drush with the Pshat? Right? That's where the problem is. The Drush and the Pshat have to work together. Right? Drush and Pshat is just supposed to be the Drush. Is just a deeper vision of the pshat. The pshat is what you would see if you watched it with a video camera. You just literally had a video camera of what was happening then. And the drush is if you were a wise man and you really understood reality and you could study things deeply and you were there, this is what you would be seeing. Right? The Torah is written on every level of reality. So on the simple level of reality, the Pshat, that's what you're looking at. Right? And on the deeper level of reality that's also happening, the Torah will reflect that as well in the Drush. It's not a, a cloud to know. So the question is, how do you reconcile the Pshat with the Drush? Pshat of Pitom and Ramses? The, the pshat of Hafsid Gadol, that Paro almost fell off his throne when, when he was when he was told that all the Jews are taking three days off, and the Jewish that they were doing completely 
meaningless labor, which was the terrible uh, shibu, like you pointed out, that's the, that, that made the enslavement so much more painful. They, their work was completely non-productive. So, I want to ask you a question. What would happen if a few months from now, around Tess Vov and Tess Zion of Nisan, all five million Jews in America took those, took those two days off from work, and by the way, it would be Shabbos day, day after this, it would be three days. Took three days off from work. All of Wall Street, everyone. <laughs> but uh, that, that's you and I know that. But but if but if we came to Obama and we told him, like all of the Jews are taking three days off from work, what's going to happen to the stock market? Stock market? I imagine it will continue to function in a certain limit, more limited capacity, but it's still going to be there. But how? I mean, all the major. All you can't. <laughs> okay, one sec here. We have a trader sitting next to us over here. Please tell us what would happen. Actually, on Yom Kippur, it's like a very slow day in the market. Okay, but Yom Kippur, how many Jews keep how many Jews keep Yom Kippur? A fair amount. Right, but fair amount, but not but not 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 five million in America. So if it would be five million, every single one is going to stop working, <laughs> close down the business. Yeah. The market would come to a screeching halt. <laughs> Okay. Paro was convinced that the Jews were doing tremendously important work. You know what, what work? Sivlo Sam. We're doing their burdens. We're doing that with which the Egyptians are meant to be doing. This is what the Egyptians view as crucial. cities that crumble and sink. So the question is, if we had a video camera back there, were these cities crumbling and sinking or not? Yes. Sounds from Rashi that not. They were just called Ramses and Pitham. That was just the names of the cities. But they were, the names of the cities reflected the reality of the world. The deep, the deep spiritual reality of what's happening here which is that the work that was being done was work that had no meaningful fruit was work that did not change reality in any way was work that if I tell you that someone designed the latest iPhone 9 this thing does everything three times as fast and better than, than, the, than, than the current iPhone, right? This thing is going to make $5 billion in the first day. And so what? And what? What did it do for humanity? How did it actually improve? Did it, did it actually have any lasting impact? Did it actually produce one extra loaf of bread? Did it make anyone happier? Did it help anyone with their shalom bias? So if you were Chacham and you looked at this company making iPhones, would you say they are doing tremendous things? Or would you say this is Pitom and Ramses? This is literally completely non-productive work in both ways. So Marl explains what are both ways. Both rotting and sinking into the ground. Rotting is that the thing itself has no mitzis and sinking into the ground is that the thing has no place in reality. If we look at it like that, there might be a lot of things that although to Paro there would be a Hafsid Gadol, 
but to the eyes of the sages, to the pain of the Nishama, that is toiling in making these things, these things are Peter home. The, the abyss opens up and swallows up all this man's work, because nothing is work. And it's Ramses, his work has no meaning from in, in, in itself. Besides the fact there's no place for it in the world, in reality, in society. That's a very deep shibud. That's a very painful shibud. Sounds like America. Why is this more painful? To why is this a lot scarier? Because it's a lot closer to home. When we imagine the shibud Mitzrayim as Kunta Kinte's enslavement in uh, roots or whatever it was, right? So okay, you know that's that. I feel really, really bad for those people back there, right? That's good thing that good thing they were not there. But when you realize that there was law and there was order, and there was Jews had neighbors that were going, they lived right, and we're going to see. Later in uh, Parshas B'Shalach, or maybe is it in the end of Bo, right? That Hashem says to us, "Go to your neighbors and borrow from them their valuable kalim." You mean neighbors? You mean you mean neighbors? So you guys live in the ghetto somewhere. You guys are the in the dungeon in the dungeons, right? And they're living in the the highlights. When Moshe Rabbeinu says to Paro, let my people go, after a number of Makas already, Paro says, okay, you guys can go, Moshe, everyone, even, even the old, the young, everyone. So Paro says, okay, fine, fine. But leave your cattle, leave your cattle here. Moshe say, why? Because they had, they had tremendous amount of cattle. We see later on that Hashem, Hashem criticizes them, right? They, look, they, they left with so much cattle and they're still complaining about, about not having what to eat. We had so much property, right? The power thought, worst case scenario, either the Jews go, right? But at least we'll get to keep all their money. What money? They're slaves, right? Kunta Kinte with a whip. When we were leaving Russia, I know, my parents said that the people with the nicer apartments got their documents quicker. Because when you leave, right, your apartment in Russia was interesting, right? It belonged to the government. But you had like lifetime dibs on it. So when you leave, there's you know, all of a sudden a three-room apartment in, in the middle of town that just opened up, right, for, for the grabs. So you got your documents faster. The Russians, right, they said you can take out very minimal amount of your money. Your money, okay, you, you can go, but your money saves. Right? Hazal say that Yidden. Part of, the, part of the terrible oppression was that men would do women's work and women would do men's work. Right? Um, you know, women would be lawyers and business people and would be tremendously stressed out and not be able to be feminine, receptive wives to their husbands the way that God made them. Um, I'll say that they were Yidden that owned slaves. Egyptian slaves or Jewish slaves? Both, or, 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 or other. There was other slaves in Egypt as well. I mean, they were well-to-do Jews. Very well-to-do, right? Like, like we see. Right? So they had lots of cattle. So there were no whips? No, maybe there were whips. But uh, nowadays there are also all sorts of whips. I don't know. Maybe maybe back then they actually had real whips, and nowadays they just have um, I don't know bonuses and and the opposite of bonuses. I don't know what it would be, lack of fulfillment of your contract or whatever it is. But I will tell you this: the Gemara Bomitzia says the definition of a slave. Gemara says, how can it be? How is it permissible for a Jew? 
to be a daily worker. You work for, for a day, you get paid X amount of dollars for this day. How is it permissible? The Pasuk says they will be my slaves and, uh, and, and no one else's slaves. So Yomar says no because, because the, the, the law is that if a Jewish day worker quits in the middle of the day, then he'll get paid for that half of the day. Because of this Pasuk we're learning now. Otherwise, usually a day worker is, listen, I made up with you for one day's worth of work, right? I, I need this, this work over here, this field plowed or whatever it is, right? And you walk away in the middle, it's not what we agreed upon, I'm not going to give you anything. If that's the case, if that would to be the case, that you could not get paid for the half of the day that you'd worked, then that would define this person as a slave. Because he can't leave. He feels like he can't leave. He's not a free man. That's what the Torah says. No, that's what you see from this pasuk that you you can walk out from your a Jewish worker can quit in the middle of the day and he has to get paid for that half of the day. That's why he's not. That's why he doesn't have a legal status of a nether. Which means, according to that Gemara, if a person was under some sort of a contract where he would only get paid out at the end of the day or at the end of the week, or at the end of the month, or at the end of the year, or whatever it is. There's something holding him. He feels he can't walk away. He can't quit. He can't leave. To that extent, he's a slave. All sorts of signing bonuses and um, options. and What do they give? They give uh, parts in the company, but if you walk away before like next 15 years, then you only get like 2% of it or something like this, right? So understanding of... of being an evid is is immature. So it sounds like being an evid is self-imposed. It's not hundred percent self-imposed, but it but it's it can have to do with mental. Could the yidden walk out of Mitzrayim? Because I'll say, no evid ever left Mitzrayim. No one ever left Mitzrayim. Because they get killed, or because they couldn't choose to leave. Don't know. There's a big difference. Don't know. Right? Very, very big difference. Don't know. Not clear. A lot of very interesting concerns about this. Something to think about.